Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Man, I feel like a woman. Welcome to Powered Up Talk Radio, and this is Sandra Beck, and I am here today to help you guys do the impossible, and we're going to put together four four shows, so I want you guys to check out iTunes to listen to the other three shows. I want you to check out Powered Up Talk Radio, uh, as well as our host station in Texas, Toginet, because this is a very, very important series. You're not going to want to miss it. And we've put a lot of effort into bringing you one of the best experts in the world uh, to walk us through this. And her name is Maryam Webster. Maryam, that's with an M. And she has a 30-year career as a successful psychotherapist. She wrote this great book, Everyday Bliss for Busy Women, which is how I found her. Uh, she has pretty much created the profession of energy coaching. So if you're like me and you're willing to try anything to be healthy, happy, fit, fabulous in your 40s and 50s and beyond, Beyond, uh, she's one to listen to because she has helped thousands of people worldwide regain these lost abilities that they've had and resolve impossible situations. And for those of you that listen to me on a regular basis, you know I have been in a lot of impossible situations in the last six years. You know, life events, catastrophic. My mom died. I got divorced. Domestic violence charge. Lost my home. Um, there's just so much going on here. And I have reached out to Maryam personally after reading her book and brought her to the airwaves today. Now, her website is everywomanchanges.com. So if you're listening today and you want to look her up on the internet and see, she is really, really a great lady. She has helped me personally, which is why I can stand here and endorse her. No money has been exchanged between the two of us. Uh, I just read her book. I contacted her. I wanted to talk to her. She, she, out of the graciousness of her heart, helped me personally. And those benefits that I received for her, I'm bringing to you today. Uh, so without further ado, I want to bring on Miriam Webster, Do the Impossible. Miriam, I need you to share your story with our listeners first uh, before we dig into the material today, because I think your story is really outstanding. Oh, thank you so much, Sandra. That was, was a lovely introduction. And I also want to tell people that if you are feeling moved by this material, there's so much more than we're able to pack in here that I've made a special page for listeners of this radio show, especially it's at everywomanchanges.com forward stroke powered up. You can pop a comment in the box there and tell me how this stuff has changed your life and if you'd like to see me address different kind of questions on the show. And I'd also love to gift you with a breakthrough session um, if you're facing impossible odds. Info about that's right there on the page. But 
I'd love to talk about how I got here, because where I started out didn't quite look like the where I am today. I basically started this journey lying flat on my back in bed. I was hit by a drunk driver when I lived in England with my first husband. And in England, they have a thing called socialized medicine, where I was on a two-year wait for a diagnostic MRI. That's just to diagnose, not cure, but to diagnose the condition. Meanwhile, I was getting more and more paralyzed by the day. My doctor said, look, you're American, go home, get surgery, you need surgery, or you're going to be paralyzed for life. By the time we got back to the United States, I was already paralyzed. And doctors didn't give me, well, they gave me a very slim to none chance of ever walking again. This was in the late 80s, early 90s, and it took me nine years, but indeed I did walk again. And I always say the best answer when somebody tells you, you will never X, whatever that thing is, is just show them your middle finger because they don't have any clue what you can do. The power of your mind, your heart, and intentions are so great that you can literally think yourself out of a situation. But back then with me, it was like fighting out of a wet paper bag. It was not an easy thing because I didn't have any of the tools I had today. While I was going through the process, though, I discovered these wonderful things called energy therapies, and they don't require any kind of device, no powders, no pills, nothing like that, just the energy in your body. So I'm going to teach you through this series how to use that energy to get yourself free, even if you're facing impossible odds, how to literally do the impossible. Wow. You know, I just, what I loved about that was, you know, and what I love about what you teach, you know, as a single mom of two kids and soul supporting, um, is there's no pills, there's no co-payment, there's no, you know, money exchanged, I don't need a gym or, a, you know, a heavy weight bag. I mean, I love all those things, don't get me wrong, but, you know, you just gave my power back to me, the power to heal myself, and I just... I think that that is, it's, you know, it's like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz and those little red shoes. She had the power all along. She didn't know it. You know, we've heard that a million times. But you're here as living proof, as am I, that this can work for you. It can make a difference. Right. And I just want to say, it took me nine years to walk again, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to shortcut that for you guys. It's not going to take that long for you to do whatever you want to do because we found these methods. And also, I've created a method myself to address why some of the methods don't work some of the time. That's called ETHOS, and it stands for Energy Transformation and Healing Open Source. It's free. It's my charity to the public. You can download it at ethosmethod.com. So we're going to go into a little bit of that today, too. So, you know, when, when you were laid up in bed and you didn't know if you were going to walk again, you know, and I had this when I was sick and, you know, facing, you know, cancer treatment, facing, you know, surgery, I was really afraid. I prayed like I had never prayed before. And, you know, you got to make changes in your life. We all had to make changes and, and change happens as part of nature. We all get that. But change is really, really frightening, you know, and I know, like, you know, it, it changes hard, changes scary, you, you don't know what's going to happen, and it can be really paralyzing. How do you, how do you address that uh, for those of us that are big fat chickens? <laughs> well, 
First of all, um, the, the thing is to understand that we're looking at that we're in a desperate need for change. We know something has got to give at this point, or we sometimes literally, as in your situation, we could die. Or, you know, I was faced with uh, absolutely excruciating agony. It didn't stop at night, by the way, when I went to bed. It kept on. It was 24-7, and I was seriously considering blowing my brains out. Uh, I'm not even kidding. That's not an exaggeration. I, you know, had planned on how I was going to purchase the gun and, you know, the whole nine yards. I, I was almost there. So, um, it, it, and it doesn't matter if it's a physical situation like ours was or emotional or mental situation like you're just in a relationship that just is horrible and, and so demeaning and, and terrible on you and your kids or you're in a job that's that way. So many different situations can be where you just get to the point where you say, enough, but you're so scared to take that next step. And you're so scared, it, you know, whatever you try, or maybe you've tried a billion things and it won't work. Uh, what if I do this and it doesn't work? What if I do that and it doesn't work? And you're willing to make a deal with the devil at this point. But we're almost, we become paralyzed. And the first step is to realize that that is completely normal. And that's the first step to actually changing your life is that we call it, uh, the, it's a paralysis of a sort. Uh, and well, I wanted sure. to... I mean, you get to the point, Miriam. You know, I like, for me at points in my life, at some of these critical junctures, I'm like, I cannot take one more thing. I cannot take yep. one more change, even if the change is good. Like, there's a change going on right now that I'm hoping that will happen, but I'm terrified the change will happen because it will impact my life, the lives of my children, and my family and friends. I mean, it's a, it's a big impact. And, you know, you're just so tired by the time you get to this point that even if change is good for us, it's still change, and it's still big and scary, and there's so many unknowns, and it's just, you know, you're just weary. I don't know what the right word is, worn out, weary, you know, dry, road hard, put away wet, whatever it is, but there's all this emotion around it, and I think emotion is what gets me into trouble. You're, you're going in exactly the right direction. I want to address that weariness. And the reason that that happens and say, you know, say you're facing the perfect solution. You know, something comes along like, like this, like this program or, you know, the perfect, uh, you, you find a perfect program that, or a mentor or a, you know, a, a, a solution in medicine or something that you want to investigate. <clears throat> what keeps us paralyzed and, and in the wrong place is when an upsetting event occurs, our body begins, you've probably heard of adrenaline and cortisol. These, the cortisol is a fat-producing hormone. I think everybody's heard about that right now. But these begin to be produced in amazing quantities when we keep, getting, we keep being in a negative field of energy like that. And these, are the, these stress hormones, not just these but others, are building blocks of a neurochemical lock that bolts these feelings of the upsetting event deep into our body's tissues. And because that's there, you've probably, uh, you know, as an athlete, when you run, you get lactic acid built up in the muscle, and that makes the muscle fatigue. That's the feeling of fatigue that we have in our muscles. That is the same kind of feeling and the same kind of thing produced. And they always have these locks, these knots in the, in the stomach, the neck, the shoulders, the back, we always have a mental and emotional component that exists in the mind as tension and anxiety, so it's reciprocal. 
You know, what, what we feel in our muscles and in our bodies, that tiredness, is tied up intimately with the anxiety in our mind. And over time, these knots harden into general tendencies that tr- keep us from ever experiencing true peace or relaxation. And if we don't check this, then the stress builds up in our body for years. We end up with a heart attack or worse, and that's how that feeling comes about. But the good news is we're all of us, every last one of us, are healing from something. And I have a little quiz Wow, I want to stop you right there. I want you to say that again because, you know, that just blew my mind. Everyone is healing from something. We're all healing from something. Well, if you just take the media on TV, if if you're a television watcher or you tune into the news online, realize that in 9-11, that event is seared into our consciousness as a nation, everybody you ask, even if you were a little kid then, if you ask that everybody remembers where they were and what they were doing on 9-11. Right, like our parents would say, like, you know, they would talk, like I remember when I was a little girl, and, you know, and I was born after JFK was shot, but I remember coming home from school, you know, this was in the, you know, the 80s. You know, whatever, 20 years later, and I said, Mom, you know, do you remember where you were when when Kennedy was shot? And she said, oh, my gosh, I do. And she was transported immediately right back into the horror, the feeling. And, you know, she talked to me about, you know, her girlfriends came over, and they all watched the television. They couldn't believe it, and they cried. And, you know, it's it's amazing. You know, and that's 20 years later, and 9-11 is, you know, 10 years later, more than 10 years later. And what you just said, that I was instantly transported back. That's that neurochemical lock in place working, and it's working a thousand times a day. When we see, I'm just using 9/11 because it's it's really upfront in most of our consciousness right now, and it's an easy reference. But if we see a building that's shaped like the twin towers, I get a lot of this from clients. Uh, you know, in the in the several years after, I see two buildings standing side by side, and my my heart clinches. I feel fear. Yeah, or when I watch a Friends rerun. They're playing Friends. You know, they play Friends rerun, like, on TV Land at night. And sometimes if I can't sleep, I'll pop it on. And, you know, they show the Twin Towers. And you're right. right. It, you know, it, 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 like, sends a cold shaft of fear. Or I had a client that said once uh, an airplane looked like, just from the parallax view, looked like it was flying too close to a building and she about had a heart attack. That's that lock in place. But, but what, I'm, what we're going to learn is going to teach you how to unlock that lock permanently and unwind those fears. So first of all is just take a breath. When you have that happen, put your hand. The heart is the place that most of these things tend to go in. You know how when you think about it, you think about that hit tr- the plane hitting the building, you, you got a little kind of ah, in the heart area if you if you. Really think about it. Put your hand on your heart. There's a little bit of weirdness there. So put your hand on your heart whenever this feeling comes up for you in life. Put your hand on your heart and breathe into your heart. And just think about the thing, the one thing that gives you peace. Now, I know for you, it's that precious little son of yours. We talked about this before. (laughs) Breathe out his face. And... (sighs) Bringing up the face of, you know, if you're listening to this, anything, any 
one that you love that you just bring up that face and you're like, oh, bless their heart, you know, kind of that sort of feeling. And for me, you know, one of my people is my little kitty cat. So it doesn't have to be human even. It can be a kitty cat or it could be a, a really wonderful place that you go on vacation that relaxes you. So just bring that image up and breathe into your heart through that image. Just imagine the air rushing through that image and right down into your heart and filling your heart with peace. Okay. That's one thing you can do to just immediately calm that reaction down. So every time you have that clenching reaction in your heart and you're thinking about that thing that's going to come up later today that's freaking you out and you ah, you know, that just breathing through the image that brings peace to you into your heart, bring, breathing that air in is going to bring you deep relaxation and peace. The more that you do it, the more you create what's what we call creating an anchor. It's like putting a deep anchor down in the ocean, you know, so the, the ship doesn't move. We're putting a deep anchor into peace in our hearts. Well, and Mary, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but like what you just did, it's like I can't change what's going on today in my life. I really can't. It's all out of my control. Mm-hmm. But I can calm myself down. I can I can make sure like my body's not punished twice because like with this thing, you know, it's a legal thing and you know, I already got, you know, kind of punched once and then I got punched twice. And so now everybody's taken over for me to do the battling. So why would I punch myself in the heart by feeling all this stuff all over again? That would be like that's like mean. And when we stay unconscious, I have, um, from the Everyday Bliss book, I have bliss blockers and bliss keys. And one of them is living unconsciously. We, if, we're not, if we're just going through life and we keep getting that hit to the heart, nah, you know, and more anxiety and more anxiety, okay, we're living life on autopilot, and that's not living. That's not living. So the body, what I'm teaching you here is the body is a primary means of staying in the present. Your body is a wonderful tool, and we don't... None of it doesn't come with an instruction manual, and none of us learn in kindergarten really how to use it. So, again, what I'm teaching in, these, in this series is how to use your body to get out of these situations. So if you have any doubt, weirdness, or trouble comes in, put your hand on your heart. Just pay attention to this is the drum that you have in your body. And you may have heard of, you know, uh, listening to a drum in, in tribal societies to induce a hypnotic state. This is This is drum that we have all the time in our bodies and if we can tune in on it you can put your fingers on your pulse if you want to if that does it for you or put your hand on your heart and just tune in on the on the beating and if you're excited and full of anxiety it's going to be going a mile a minute so you want to use your breathing again breathing deep into the stomach breathing through that icon of peace you know whoever's face that is or a scene you know that you go to breathe deep into the heart and take three very deep breaths in. Just feel the beating of your heart, this drum in your body that's there all the time, and allow the sensations of your body to bring you back to the here and now. So I want to give a, a book resource for people that are interested in going deeper, and that is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And he explains that the only time frame that can really be said to exist in human consciousness is the present. If you are projecting into the future, you're not present. If you're thinking about the past, you're not present. And those are the two states that will cause anxiety almost every time. 
whether a greater or lesser degree, but if you're not absolutely paying attention to what's going on right now, and everybody says, well, gosh, how do I do that? I'm not a monk. I haven't meditated for 20 years. Just pay attention to your heart and your breathing. It's so simple, and it will bring you back to the present moment right away. Can I go into a little bit of a quiz to help folks out? Oh, yeah. Candy. Go for good? it. I'm, I so, feel like I'm like, you know, zen over here. I'm listening to my heartbeat. <laughs> I took my breath. So you go wherever you want to go. <laughs> while, you're, while you're listening to your heart and breathing, keep doing that. And the thing is, you can if you're in a rushed and hurried sort of occupation, you're in an office building, you know what? Nobody can keep you from going to the bathroom. And especially us girls, we go to the women's room. They don't expect us back in three seconds. Come on. We can take a few. And just, you know, lock the door, stay in the stall, put your hand on your heart, breathe. And just give a think about, um, you might be saying, oh, I don't need any of this crap. I, I, I can handle life. And I was like that for a long I can handle life. I'm decaying by, by degrees over here, but I can handle it. <laughs> so if you're wondering if you can handle it now, here's a five-question five quiz. Give yourself one point for each false answer. And the first question is, I have enough time in my life to get everything done. I don't stress about time. I've got enough space and downtime in my schedule. I don't think anybody's going to answer that one true. Yeah, I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> Next. <laughs> and if you do, then, you know, flip the channel. You don't, need to, you don't need this. Bless your heart. Okay, number two. I can name three things that must be present for me in order to have a blissful, relaxing experience of life. Number three, I'm consistently able to handle unexpected frustrations easily and without stress. Four, medication, the last wine, minutes, and massages. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? <laughs> Have to. Within the last three months, I took a break from the routine of life, either at home or away, so a staycation or an away vacation that was long enough for me to feel relaxed and rejuvenated. And the last one, five, I almost never get angry or upset and am known for my sense of calm. Now, remember, one point for every false answer. How would you do? If you scored more than two points, stress is a serious problem for you. Oh, my and, God, I got a four. <laughs> well, part of, the, part of the problem is we think we can handle it. We think it's not bad. And then we take a little, you know, simple little quiz like this and we realize, gee, maybe I better pay attention to some of this stuff. Maybe I better pay attention to my heart and my, my breathing. And well, so and the then, one thing that crossed my mind, Miriam, yeah. when you were talking about this, you're like, you know, there's that old adage, just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, like, I think as I hit 40, I really started going, well, I can right. do that, but do I really want to? I can afford that. Do I really need it? I can eat that. Do I really want to work it off at the gym? Right. You know, when you get to all these things, like, sure, yeah. I can handle stress, high, high levels of stress, but do I really want to, and am I handling them in a way that's good for me? And that's the one thing that was running through my mind going, yeah, I can, and I know because of the nature of this show, Powered Up Talk Radio, we got a lot of powered up ladies out there, you know, setting the world on fire, you know, making changes, doing things, yet we're all killing over, of, you know, heart disease, and <laughs> so well, I, I get it. That. It's like just because we can doesn't mean we should, and maybe there's some better tools out there so we can have a better quality of life. Not only that, Sandy, but even more important in some ladies' minds is 
check it out. When you think, I can handle the stress, just realize that being able to function day-to-day isn't all. What the stress is doing to you under the covers is it's eating away at your youthfulness. Stress ages us faster, and it's packing on the pounds. Stress puts pounds on us, fat that is harder to lose. Why? Because when we're this stressed out, because we haven't really evolved that much since way back when, our organism, our physical organism assumes, well, if there's this much stress going on, food must be the next thing to go, so I better put on a big fat storehouse just in case. And it makes that fat, that particular kind of fat, harder to get off. So it's harder to burn. So it's not just the I can handle it day to day. It's the what it's doing to you, you know, that's invisible but creeps up over time. And suddenly you look in the mirror and you look like you're 90 at the age of 45. Oh, yeah, that's happened. That's happened. And that wasn't even after a bender. That was just, you know, uh, uh, me getting up in the morning going, oh, my God, you know. And the thing is, you know, like we talk about that early on, you talked about that, like, you know, pain that lasts through the night. And I'm here to tell you, you know, it's like I have that anxiety that'll wake me up, pop me out of bed, like Three 2 in o'clock the in the morning. And, you know, and my brain is going bananas and just whizzing around. And then I come up with all these really stupid <laughs> solutions to things that, you know, just allow me to go back to sleep, and then I wake up in the morning and go, wow, I'm hey, so glad I didn't act on any of those. But, It'll you know, <laughs> we have these things, and whenever I tell that story, you know, people laugh because they, they've been there. Yep. And so I just want to forward, forward think on how to peel this back. Can I, can I give us a frame for going forward with these sessions, please? Yeah. So this is my everyday bliss process, and this is something I use with clients every single day. I get a lot of stressed, harried women executives, moms that just aren't keeping it together between being a busy mom and raising the kids exactly like you, having a job and having a family. And women in the – I have coached an interesting number of women going through their Ph.D. and women going through divorce. So those are all very stressful situations, no doubt about it. Nothing you can really do about it is what it is. So first of all, we learn how to create blissful space. And I just want to give you a a couple of tips right now on each of these phases. Um, And what this means is you set aside the space for bliss to manifest. And for me, and as for a lot of my clients, that means taking up a practice. It could be meditation. It could be a daily morning walk. It could be uh, going into your garden, just sitting there and smelling the flowers or doing a little bit of gardening. It could be throughout my day, my personal day, I make time to pet my kitty cat and play with her. And Or if you have children, obviously, children fit in there too, making a little more time on a conscious level to do that sort of thing. But in, in this phase, we're talking about just you. So if playing with your kids jazzes you up, that would be fitting into the bliss space. If it stresses you out, then we want to save that for a time when you're already there. So make that distinction of being with family really gets me in my bliss space versus being with family is stressing me out a little bit, so I need to go to that space first before I engage with family. 
And that is a really inter- a, a good distinction to make. So make a, make a daily practice, whatever that is. If that's, you know, sitting with a book in the morning before you start your day of some inspirational writings or, or you know, spiritual writings, and maybe it's writing in your journal. Number two is a personal assessment, second phase of the bliss process. So we look at what brings bliss to you and what is the real meaning of bliss in your life. I uh, had a, a person I interviewed for this book, a coach, a dear, coach and dear friend of mine, Andrea Lee, who gave me this phrase, and I love it, and I, I personally adopted it as a personal motto. She said, being in bliss means being at choice in my life, being at choice. And if you think about that, it's like I choose how I want to feel. I choose what I want to do. I choose where I go and who I associate with. And if, I'm, if you think about that, it's really a panacea. If I'm not at choice in my life, I ain't got a life. I'm living. Right. You're running everybody else's life. I was just thinking about like what you didn't say was I have to, you know, and I hear my mom friends all the time. Well, I have to take them to soccer. I have to have to pick up this. I have to have to have to have to have to have to. Uh And that's where women, I think, really, especially moms and single moms, we start to get lost in the have to's because we don't have any choice anymore. Or we think we don't have any choice. And that comes to, actually, you just, you're preempting me, which is great. And that's phase three, which is getting real. The getting real is looking at, I, I, have, I have clients make it a task list. Okay, what do you have to? What are those have tos? What do you have to do every week? And if it's the children are each involved in 12 activities each, we, we decide, you know, she decides what is reasonable. It's reasonable for my children to be involved in three activities apiece. That I can manage, that I can keep a hold of. But because we've been given such a lot of crud in our minds and in our lives about we have to be perfect moms, we have to be friends to our kids, we have to be more permissive than our parents were, we have to be less permissive than our parents were, you know, whatever the side of the coin that, that you're getting the, the messages on, um, a lot of us have let it get away from us. So it's being real and pairing back and telling the kids, you know, kids, I know we've done this so far, but we each get three choices from now on. And so I want you to choose, is it ballet, is it soccer, is it, you know, play practice, is it, what is it? But those three choices are going to be what you're going to do. And I will support that. I can't support 12 choices apiece. We just oh, God, I can't support three choices apiece. My kids get one sport <laughs> a year. That's it. Done, over. Pick it up. And it's, you know, you it's, it's, it was a function of, you know, me being a single mother and soul supporting and, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because prior to that, I had I was running, 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 running on empty, running like a crazy person, running, running, running. And, you know, I'd wake up, Miriam, in the morning and I'd look at my phone and go, how is it, you know, May 3rd and yesterday it was February 2nd. That's yeah. not good. Yeah, and that goes back to that living unconsciously when we're just on that autopilot of high speed. And the other thing is that... There is a lot of research that's come out in the last five years that says this kind of high-speed living is directly detrimental to children's well-being, and it causes a culture of illness. Do you know that I'm never ill? I never get sick. Absolutely never. I've had structural things, like I've broken my ankles and so on, and I've had the broken back thing, but I don't actually don't get sick sick. 
And this is one of the reasons why is I took a look at my life, the galloping away from me piece, and I reined it back in really early. And I'm looking back and I'm like so thankful to myself that I did that because I'm looking at colleagues and friends and, you know, somebody's out sick two weeks with pneumonia and another person's out sick a week and a half with the flu. And and it's just not once during the year, it's multiple times. And this is happening to our kids when we keep this high stress high-speed lifestyle, and it's going to take talking to them and going, you know what, so you're not the most popular kid in school because you're not involved in all the activities. That's, this is what it is, and this is the point in time at which when I was a kid, and I was an adolescent at the time, my folks said, you want to do more? Go out and get a job, and I don't know, you know what's in everybody's lives, But once a kid reaches adolescence, at a certain point, it really makes sense for them to support their own activities and take a little bit more of a tough love stance as a parent and say, look, you know, I'd love to buy you a car. Love to. (laughs) Ain't going to (laughs) happen. You need to get a job if you want to do that. And that, you know, or whatever it is, you know, car or, you know, new uh, wardrobe or whatever. So there is a phase of getting real with both kids and with ourselves. And sometimes this is, we made a bliss list in phase two. And in phase three, we make a shadow list. So what are the, the significant events from my past that have affected me, stolen my power, where I've given my power away, where I don't feel like I have a right to say no? I don't feel like I have a right to have a life, et cetera, et cetera. And we look at that and we start dealing with those things that block you from your everyday bliss. Then in phase four, we look at your life mission. Sandra, you have a fantastic life mission. Holy cow. I do. I do. And I want to, I want to backtrack just for a second before we go to life mission because, sure. you know, you touched on something that, again, like struck a big twang in my heart when you said, you know, there's so many of us that don't think we have a right to a life or a right to. And I will tell you, I hear that all the time, especially from my stay-at-home mom friends. They feel that just because they are not contributing financially directly to the household, you know, they're contributing so their husband can go to work. But they they get in this mindset that I am not deserving and, and, you know, they become these home slaves. And, you know, I see my working mom friends, you know, become these wage slaves. And, you know, that thought process just really puts you down in the dumps. It really can lead to some serious big old depression and and weight gain and unhealthy everything. Um, And that's a big that's a big deal, Miriam, a huge deal. So I just want to interject at this point and say, all you stay-at-home moms, listen up. We did a study on you. (laughs) Well, not me personally, but a study was done several years ago and found out that if you were being paid a wage, your husband couldn't afford you. Oh, yeah, in a heartbeat. Your worth in the open market is between $84,000 a year and $96,000 a year. If we had to replace you with an equivalent number of basically, you know, servants who did the equivalent number of tasks, that's the money it would cost to replace you. So anybody who thinks I'm not earning equals I'm not worth anything, please, Put that out of your mind right now. Put your hand on your heart. Breathe in through your peaceful place and understand that your work is not only worthy, it is worth much. 
you're worth eighty to ninety thousand dollars a year, my friend. Absolutely, you're priceless oh, and cannot be replaced. Wait to tell my girlfriends that I cannot wait, Miriam, because that is such. <laughs> You know, I talk about these mommy mythbusters on our show, and that's a big mommy mythbuster. You just yep. busted that baby right open. Yep, yep. That, so, you know, anytime uh, you have a partner complain to you about, well, you're not bringing in, you're not pulling your weight, you just you know, lay that little fact out there, okay? Um, so the, the thing is that moms are doing the most, and stay-at-home dads, by the way, too, you too, if you are sure. in child care in your family, if that is your primary role or one of them, because it's never just child care, is it? It's house care. It's partner care. It's, you know, getting the dog to the vet care, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That scrolling list that never quits, right? Yeah. You well, and the other thing, Miriam, too, is like, you know, when you talk about all those different roles, I can tell you I have been a stay-at-home mom. I have been a stay-at-home working mom. I have been a full-time working mom. I've been a full-time single mom. I've never been a stay-at-home single mom. But I will tell you the easiest thing in my life by far is to go to work because I get lunch. I can sit in <laughs> peace. I can do my work. And, yeah, my boss may be on my back, but I don't have four snotty noses coming up to be wifed, a dog who puked in the living room, a carpet to clean, groceries to pick up. I mean, it is just so overwhelming, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's easier for me to go to work than to, to raise my kids and take care of my home. Easier. So stay-at-home moms are doing – they're down in the trenches – doing that job that really is, you know, there's a, there's a guy on TV, Mike Rowe, he has a, he has a job, um, a, a show called Dirty Jobs. And he oh, yeah, I love him. Pig, He's so cute. Pig farm and, you know, the slopping out the pigs and whatever else. And somebody wrote to him once and said, you've never looked at the job of being a mom. And he said, <laughs> you got me, lady. You got me. And that's that's exactly the thing is the the being a mom or again stay at home dads who don't want to leave them out because they are just e every bit as the equal and the same they go through the same process that stay at home moms do. It is a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. You're doing it. You deserve a freaking purple heart, baby. Purple heart and a salary. And if we could give it to you, that salary would be ninety k. Just know that. Know that yes. and know that you have worth and you have a right to have a happy life. Just because you've got those four snotty noses and taking the dog to the vet and the puke on the carpet doesn't mean you can't have a happy life. We just need to change it up for you, and we're doing that in this series. I have a couple more. Can I go on? Yeah, keep going. We talked about life mission. So when you get past all that... What do you put, really put here to do? And I work particularly with women who are over 40 and they're going into the midlife years and their kids are grown. Maybe they've flown the nest already or they're getting ready to. And women are starting to think about, gee, you know, I, I'm not a mom anymore. And, and wow, what do I do now? And they're getting up to some pretty big things. They still want to give back. They still want to have impact in the world. And the Dalai Lama said in 2009 at the Vancouver Peace Conference, Western women will save the world. He said that pointing to the women around him who were all over the age of 45, 
who've done amazing things, who've started charities, who've saved children, who've, you know, built wells in towns that didn't have them, who've educated kids, who've gotten women out of slavery, out of sexual slavery and other kinds of slavery, you know, all this kind of stuff. But, and this is big stuff, but it doesn't have to be big stuff. You can start small. You can start local. You can start with your own family. Well, yeah, you can impact. I'm, I'm going to say that's like a big one for me because I was listening to Rabbi Jonathan Sachs the other day. He's on YouTube, and he has all these little snippets. And, you know, I happen to be, you know, a Christian, but I love Rabbi Sachs because he just explains stuff so I can understand it. And, you know, I had kind of a crisis of life purpose last year. You know, I was getting settled in to being a single mom, had my radio shows going, you know, had my book deal going, had my company rolling, and I'm thinking, this Mm -hmm. is good, this is good, but then I'm like, wow, is this all there is? And even though Mm -hmm. everything for me is is help-centered, mission-focused, I was like, man, you know, what do I do? And so I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to turn to the old rabbi because, you know, he's old and he's, you know, became a rabbi later later in life, and he knows what I don't, so I looked up, like, life purpose, and what he said was, you know, where the gifts God uh, gives you, you know, we all have certain gifts, we know what they are, they, you know, it can be anything, meet the needs of the world, so you look around and go, well, where can I help, he said, like, there is God's will, and that just kind of really resonated with me going, like, okay, you know, God gave me this, you know, blabber mouth and, you know, ability to handle <laughs> a lot of information. And, you know, the world needs information like you, Maryam, to, to help us. And so I go, wow, that's my purpose. That's really cool. And that gave me a lot of satisfaction. And it really doesn't matter, Maryam, whether I blab on the radio or mm-hmm. I call a girlfriend after a show like I will today and say, oh, my God, this is what Maryam said. You know, isn't this the coolest thing? And then they eat it up. And, and all of a sudden, like ripples in a pond, change starts to happen. So it, you're right. It doesn't have to be super big. And a lot of times, some of the super big stuff is just super big and one little pebble thrown in there can make a big old tidal wave somewhere else so i'm going to teach you how right now how to if it looks if it looks way too big how to take it back and make it real and i also want to say gandhi said be the change you want to see in the world and if, if if you're like you know i hate how all these cigarette butts along the roadway and all the the paper and plastic blowing all over town. My mother, in the 60s, said that to herself. And then because she came from a plucky little central Kansas family that learned how to bootstrap themselves up and survive the Depression by eating what was in the garden and so on, she said, okay, how can I change this? And she started our town's first recycling program. And it started small. She started with, and you know who she recruited to help her? Inmates from the local prison. (laughs) Because oh. <laughs> Dad was a court reporter. That's so smart. Dad was a court reporter, worked in the courts, and she said, where can I get a good, good cheap source of easy labor, preferably free? And Dad said, inmates. <laughs> so he, they cooked up a deal uh, with the work, work release program at the local prison and started the, the recycling center. And at first it was a you bring your stuff in, and then it developed into the program most of us have in our towns nowadays where they have a recycling bin on the, on the curb. So that humble beginnings, humble beginnings to something huge. Um, so don't, don't turn your nose up at that and be that change you want to see. So here's some questions. 
what makes you what would make you truly deeply happy to focus your life on so if you don't have kids to focus on anymore not quite so much they're not in diapers they're you know maybe in late late high school or in college already or even if you do, Miriam, because that's a good, I'm going to bust in with another mommy myth. I'm here to say that not every mom is wholly satisfied completely and totally by raising kids. I mean, it's a great thing. Don't get me wrong. I that's love my children. I love true. what I do. But that's a part of what I do. It's a part of who I am. It doesn't define me. And there's a whole bunch of us out there that are like, huh, I cannot just be a mom like that's I am a mom and I love being a mom but I'm more than that there's more to me than that and that's okay too and thank you for bringing that up I work mostly with women that are 40 and older so they're kind of looking at the their their kids have flown the nest and what's what's going on now but you're absolutely right and it doesn't mean you can't start at any phase that you're at good point but find what truly makes you happy whatever that thing is and another question to ask is what have you got to accomplish with your life before you die? So if you've got a book in you that just has to get out or, you know, a song or something like that, that's that kind of thing. I've got to say this. I, I've, I've got to get this out of me. If you've got a compelling story that you've just got to have heard, etc. When you focus your life through this lens of a passionate mission, Okay, and you're waking up every day and you're focusing through that lens of your passionate mission. You're breathing in through that peaceful place, that image, that person through into your heart and just making it real every day, even though it's a tiny baby step. Stress is going to start to recede into the background and your fulfillment in life, you're feeling, you're feeling bliss, you're feeling good, you're feeling happy. And even if the, you know, the diapers are unwashed and the dog puked on the floor, you're still happy. And that's a choice. You are at choice. You can make that choice. That becomes more and more automatic and less of a, oh, I've got to do this, then this, then this. It becomes automatic. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Though I will buzz in and say nobody's happy to clean up dog puke. That one I just say that's just that's a bliss blocker right there. But but you're right. I mean, I choose to be here. I choose to take care of my children. I choose to take this time to to walk my dog. I choose this for me and for him. You know, and that's really that's coming from a huge seat of power. Yeah. Exactly. And as you clean up the dog puke, here's, here's another thing. And I have a, a friend who washes, uh, she, she does uh, cloth diapers and washes baby diapers and has the same exact reaction. Oh, my God, there's less, you know, I really don't, and we won't go into what all is involved, but the, you can imagine. And yeah. so as she deals with this now, her reframe, and I want you to get used to that word because we will look at crappy events, literally, and reframe them. So put a new frame on it. Put that picture in a new frame. The reframe is, bless my baby's heart. I am so glad she can have a good bowel movement. Or bless the dog. I'm so glad that he got that up out of him because, oh, I wouldn't want him to be sick because he gives me so much joy. Oh, bless Rover's little heart. Look at his little face. I'm going to take him for a walk after this. He'll enjoy that. So it's a reframe and a refocusing and focus on the baby's health, focus on the, the joy that the dog has given you. And even the, oh, my God, I hate to do this, is going to recede. Wow, that is so cool. Because I, you know, I just thought, thought some of my things like that going like, yeah, 
You know, like, why am I thinking? But it's like stinking thinking. You know, I'm thinking Mm -hmm. the wrong way about Mm -hmm. these things. And then I feel like crap. And, you know, no, what a surprise. You know, it's like, so the dog pooch, big deal. You know, if I think, like, when you said, like, I'm so happy he's got that up out of him. I'm going to put that in my, like, consciousness when my kids throw up on my nice white bed. And, you know, the dogs puke wherever they puke or, or whatever like that. You know, to go to say, you know, I'm so glad that happened because of this it makes my loved one better you know or feel better or helps them so that they don't get poisoned or whatever it is I mean I get it that's really cool so I have a cat and you know cats yak up hairballs oh yeah and often other things and I I know when she's done it because she will come to me and go oh I did a bad thing (laughs) just so guilty And I make over her and I say, oh, sweetie, I'm so glad you're such a healthy kitty. You're a good kitty, good kitty. Because she'll go and stand by the by the puke and look. You know, she's like a dog in that way. Dogs look guilty. She looks the same way. And so I praise her and I say, good kitty, while I'm mopping it up. And tell her that I'm so glad she's so healthy and she's such a good kitty. And then I give her a treat and then she feels better about herself. And then we go outside and play a little bit or play with the, you know, the little uh, string and, and ball a little bit. And everybody's happy. So that's, that was my personal reframe that just worked. And it works with the poopy diapers and the, you know, anything else. So if anything that's, that looks initially bad that involves you in a cleanup role, um, and, and if it's kids with crayons on the wall, you know, thank God they're so creative. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> a little less creative. But you know what you're talking about, Miriam? And, you know, I'm, I tend to go, you know, redneck with all this stuff because I am a country girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but it reminds me of grandma wisdom. You know, like, yeah. you know, the new mom is fretting over everything and the husband is, you know, worried about, you know, his car and everything. You know, and grandma's on the porch, you know, with her blanket and her rocker and her knit and going, yep, that's what kids do. And it's a good thing because, you know, he could have been sick. He's good. He got that up. You know, and I think about, you know, the kind of the grandma on the porch thing. That's what we're talking about, like the wisdom of the big picture. It is wisdom, a big picture. It's pulling back. And another technique that you can use, I got from Hollywood, is pull focus. And that when, when you're focused on this, this goes to another bliss key that I discovered while I was lying in bed, paralyzed. And that is the, <laughs> um, getting lost in minutia getting lost in minutia. We'll talk about this later. But we get hundreds of thousands of discrete pieces of information daily. We are bombarded with information. We're living in the information age, and to a certain extent, that's great. And to a certain extent, it's not so great. And we can't possibly take all this in. So we learn to focus on what you know, is right in front of our face. And it's almost like if you were a cameraman on a TV show and you focused in on that one little particle uh, for me, it was particles of, of crumbs on the carpet. And I was sitting in my bed, and I was seeing these crumbs on the carpet, and I was freaking the heck out because I could not get up and vacuum. And yeah. it's not a worthy, worthy use of your time, unless you're a professional house cleaner, of course. It's not a worthy use of your time. So like that, you imagine in the TV show, they pull the camera backwards from the, you know, they go from the microscopic view back out into the big picture where you're seeing the skyline, you know? 
and you see the sky and the horizon and, and you see a much bigger picture where you're focusing on the crumbs on the carpet. When you pull back, you, all of a sudden you notice that there's a lion galloping at you full tilt and you need to run now. <laughs> but, but, uh, or that there's something else equally important you really need to pay attention to, toddler crying over in the corner that needs comforting or you know, a, a report that needs writing or something else that is really more important than those stupid crumbs on the dang carpet. So pulling focus back also helps you see the bigger picture in terms of, you know what, there may be a toddler crying in the corner and a report due tomorrow, but I also have five minutes once the toddler is comforted. I have five minutes I can sit here and read a book or or meditate or do something more productive than focusing on those stupid little crumbs that don't really matter. Do you think sometimes, like, and I know I do this, Miriam, that... If I can't, if I can't handle what's going on in my day, or I'm struggling with it, you know, like this is when I when I clean my <laughs> I clean my kitchen, like I have all this work due, my kids are fighting, and and you know, and just everything's going haywire, and then I can like start cleaning my kitchen. I know it's such a small inconsequential thing, but it it helps me block out the the bigness of everything else that's going on for a little bit. So can focusing on the crumbs for a little bit, not all day, but can that help us a little bit too? Is there like a balance between the crumbs and the chaos? Well, that's interesting because that leads into phase five. And, and what, that, what you're doing is a combination there of meditation I think that when you do that and it blocks everything out for you, that's kind of like what they call self-medicating, you know. Um, it gets you to a, a Zen point in a different kind of way in your mind about things. Well, yeah, because I can get a little sense of completion, like even just getting the dishes in the dishwasher and the counters it's clean, and I, I can thing. feel myself like blocking everything out. I'm doing my thing, and I'm breathing like rhythmically mm-hmm. with washing my dishes, putting like lining my plates up, like, oh, thank God there's some order, at least if only in the dishwasher. And then I can like step back and feel a sense of accomplishment with, you know, most of the time in the house, there is no accomplishment because you can clean house to bottom and the kids come home and you're dead in the water again. Right. So in phase five, we do a treasure map to bliss and it's examining what you really want in your daily life, the state, you know, the general state you desire to live in every day. And I don't just mean better car or new house or whatever, but how you want to feel on the inside day in and day out, and how the, those things that you're talking about that you do in your daily life can fulfill and support you and that life mission that you've defined, okay? So in mm-hmm. this phase, you focus on that, and if that cleaning the dishes is going to get you there and it's going to give you a breathing space, then by all means, put that on your treasure map. That's important, Makes sense. Wow. So we've only got two, you know, a couple minutes before we go to break, um, to break for this show. And, and I want to tell everybody that, you know, check us out on iTunes under Powered Up Talk Radio. You can look up this show along with Merriam Webster's others in the Do the Impossible series. There are four of them. You want to check it out on TogiNet, our host station. You also want to go to Merriam's website, everywomanchanges.com. And then if you're looking for some cool stuff to support your listening today uh i'd like you to to do front slash powered up because she has such such amazing information and and 
Miriam, I can't wait to come back with you for our next show because I've already learned so much. I took a page full of notes. I'm going to do the impossible. I'm going to reframe. I'm going to have the wisdom of the big picture. I am going to, you know, work on my bliss blockers and make my list. Um, gosh, when when you come back. Uh, to listen to next week's show. I can't wait for what we're going to learn. So more next week with Miriam Webster. Thank you. Thank you. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and prominent career, is the brains behind the real cougar woman. She shares her wisdom, grace, and laugh-out-loud opinions based on her stellar successes, both in the financial world and in her personal life. Check out our website, poweredupwithbeckandfranklin.com. And join us next week for another great conversation. We're here every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, right here on toginet.com. <laughs>